Hello and welcome to Demon, the Melbourne Demons fan podcast. Neats, all we needed to get the season back on track was a radical coaching overhaul. What impressed you the most about that win? Um, look, I think we also needed for the opposition's uh, key forward to go down and um, outside pace to also go down. So look, we were helped by the fact that there were big injuries to Hogan and Hill um, and you know, that obviously slowed them down a couple of rotations. But I think that uh, yeah, I think overall it was a pretty good win. I mean, look, Tom McDonald re- returned to form, which was nice to see. You can see that what it meant to him, couldn't you? Because he's been sort of ran up from pillar to post um, because of his form this season. And, you know, now we're finally starting to see the player that we thought he would be this year. Yeah, and look, it's a little bit premature. He's had one good game um, out of a whole season, which isn't great. Uh, but yeah, it is really exciting to see him uh, have that confidence again. And I'm so happy that the coaches finally did what I think we've been calling for for a while, which is play him up the ground much more, you know, get him into the game. Right. Uh, and- I think for too long they've been trying to isolate him in one-on-ones in the goal square, and that's just not been working. And I think, you know, it now looks like Tim Smith is now the key pillar in the goal square um, with Tom O'Donnell sort of roaming higher up the ground and then... Wiedemann just kind of roaming in general. But it looks like that's that's sort of the new structure that they're going to go with. Yeah, and I think it makes a lot of sense because Tom McDonald's elite skill, I think, is his running, right? He's not he's right. not going to be he's not the best player in the competition at forward craft by any means. So if he spends a lot of time up the ground and then later in the game when he can build space, he can charge back into the into the forward line. Um, and you know, he was just getting his hands on the ball. And even in the first half, he was butchering it a little bit. But you could just see his confidence build when he's getting in the game more. Totally. And I've just become a bit too used to... I think we've all become a bit too used to not even seeing Tom McDonald on screen. And mm. Because he just hasn't even been looked like like looked like he was anywhere near the contest. And now, um, you know, he was right in the, in the thick of it, obviously. And he was getting his hands on the ball a lot more than he, than he had before. So I think that that's... They're all very, very positive signs. Yeah. And you're going to mercilessly mock me for this. But... If he can try to be like a very poor man's Nick Rewalt, you know, someone who just... Yeah, like quite like a homeless man's Nick Rewalt, really, but yeah, sure. <laughs> a homeless man's Nick Rewalt. Um, you know what I mean, right? Like really pressing up to the wings a lot. To be honest, kind of like what Jesse Hogan did for us when he was at the club. Well, just all he needs to do is just run, right? Yeah. Like he's going to run his opponents off their legs. That's the reality. They're not going to be able to keep up with them. Yeah. And um, as long as he keeps doing that, he'll, he'll get enough chances. But I agree, like... Forcing him to become this sort of Tom Hawkins power forward in the goal square, which is almost what they were trying to do uh, earlier in the season, it was just never going to work. Yeah, and he managed to make it work somehow last year, but I think it wasn't sustainable. Teams are going to work him out. Um, And I think this is actually a much closer model of where his career is going to go. I think that's right. Um, Viney was also a positive. He was really returning to form, actually, I thought. He thought he played pretty well. Oh, he was brilliant, yeah. And he's yeah. had a, a very flat season, like a really, really flat season, to the point where um, it is almost unrecognisable, the player he's become. You know, he just seems well, so... Well, everyone was sort of like, he's, he's a shadow of the player that we thought he'd be, he can't kick, blah, blah, blah. Um, and look, maybe his kicking will always be a little bit of a problem, but his competitiveness was back. He was really, like, had a furious attack on the football. He was spreading pretty well, I thought. Yeah, and I think the spreading is significant because he has actually, in quite a few games this year, been in at the contest. You know, he never he never stops trying. But he was getting a bit of space away, which was really good to see. And that made us look so much more vibrant in our ball movement. Completely. Yeah. Completely. I also think some of Gus's kicking was actually quite a prominent thing. Yeah. I thought some of his kicks were actually quite strong. 
Totally, totally. Yeah, yeah. We can look quite damaging when when it all gets gets going. Um, I mean, the first half there was a bit sloppy, but when the players got some confidence in the second half, uh, they clicked. They clicked into gear, and it actually looked quite promising. I thought Lockhart is a, is a really. I think Lockhart's a really great pickup. I just think he's like. He's just nifty, isn't he? He's just—he's the type of player who can create something out of nothing. We just don't have enough players like that. Yeah, and he seems to just enjoy the moment, unlike a lot of players. You know, he wants the ball. He wants to take the tough shot from fifty meters. Totally, and he might not always get it, but I think I, I do like the fact that he backs himself in and that he just goes for it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and he's one of these players. I think from the first game he played, everyone could see his potential. Um, so props to the club for that. I mean, we. Well, you take a lot of shots at the club for various different things, but that was a bit of a random pickup and and random thing to drop him in so quickly. But that's been brilliant, I think. I think so. We need to thank Tom Couch for that one, actually. Oh, is that right? Uh, was he part yep. of the fitness academy or something like that? No, I don't think he's a fitness academy. I think he just scouted him and then told him to come play for Casey, and then they ended up picking him up. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, very unexpected. Um, I'll tell you what else is unexpected needs. My man. Um, Sam Wheels Frost. Uh, what a great performance. Yeah, he played exceptionally well, didn't he? Uh, I know you enjoyed a particular comment from Simon Goodwin as well in the end of the game. <laughs> <laughs> well, Goodwin was, was trying to pump up Frost, um, and his description, and I'll quote it, was, he turns our ball movement into Frost ball, and no one knows what's happening, but neither does the opposition. Um, I mean, that's a very accurate statement of Sam Frost, but it's not really what you want to say as a coach about your key defender, right? Like, no one knows what he's going to do with the ball. Um, at least he's... At least I he, mean, I don't think he even knows what he's going to do with the ball. I think he's just... He's an enigma. No, yes. He's fast become my favourite player. Um, I mean, look, he, he'll do at least two terrible things a game, right? It's probably fair to say. <laughs> like, he had a turnover which led to a goal, I think, in the first quarter... Which was just, oh, you know, classic wheels once again. But, yeah. but he's really limiting those, and he's doing a lot of good stuff. And I thought some of his efforts on Walters, the fact he was, you know, matching him for pace, I mean, that's very unusual. Very few people can do that in the comp. He does have, he's an athletic freak of nature in many ways. Like, he's yeah. just this tall, big, strong dude who's lightning quick. It's, it's a strange combination, really. It's a very strange combination. And I'm still not certain what his career is going to be or even what's going to happen, you know, when Lever comes back, um, you know, whether he's going to keep his spot. But, I mean, he's, he's had a very good year, I think it's fair to say. I mean, I think that he's been helped a little bit, particularly uh, this week by Stephen May. I thought May played a really good game, I have to say. I actually i am kind of starting to see why the club was so obsessed with getting him and sacrificing the talent of Hogan in order to get him through the door. I mean, I'm not sure if I think that the trade is entirely worth it yet. We probably that remains to be seen. But I do think that you can see why Stephen May was such an important acquisition. Yeah, and look, I will maintain and probably will will always maintain unless we win a premiership with May that we overpaid, which is a, a separate issue. Um, given how well a lot of clubs have gone with players that are nowhere near as high a draft pick. Right, like you the know. Hamlings, right? Like you, yeah, so you look, look at Fremantle's whole defence. Exactly. They harvested Hamling from Western Bulldogs and then, you know, the Western Bulldogs got him from Geelong and he was a premiership defender and now he actually looks a pretty decent defender. He's brilliant. And Pierce, um, you know... Alex Keith, like all these people. Right, right. So look, I think we overpaid, but putting putting that aside for a second, he does look very stable, very solid. He's a good user of the ball, which we haven't really had in defence for a long time for a key back. He's a lot calmer than everybody else in the defence, isn't he? He's like the yeah. only one who doesn't really panic. Yeah. 
he has, he just seems to have time. Um, and you know, early early days. And the truth is, he didn't really have a match up this week. We should note. Right, um, because Hogan obviously went off the ground. Oh, poor Jesse. I did feel really sorry for him. Yeah, I think that was a real tragedy. The poor kid. Although it doesn't seem like it was as serious as it could have been. Right, I agree with that. But it does seem to me like he is a bit injury prone. I mean, we already knew that at Melbourne, but it's it sounds like that's sort of carrying over to Frio as well. Oh, yeah. It's really tragic. And, I mean, obviously we weren't at the game, but I've heard that the Melbourne fans were pretty supportive of him during the game and no one was booing him and stuff like that, which I'm glad to hear. Right. Um, well, I mean, when Ross Lyon described... Uh, Jesse coming home to WA is like pastoral care. I thought that was like a bizarre, um, a bizarre way of describing what happened. But anyway, would you really want to get to a doctor's a pastoral care? Yeah, would you like really want to get pastoral care from Ross Lyon? Yeah, exactly, exactly. He, he can no, be, apparently, Five says that the players are no longer as scared of Ross Lyon as they used to be. Really, he's gotten less. Yeah. He's gotten a bit less handsy, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Kira, let's just let that one through the keeper. Anyway, okay, so what are the big questions for this week? So let's talk about them. Uh, Takeaway on coaching changes, what do we think? Well, I enjoyed um, uh, fearless leader Gary Pert's quote about that, which is, he said, it, it is something that we always plan to do, end quote, mm. which is very interesting because it's, I guess that means that at the start of the season, we planned to have the team with this abysmal forward structure no confidence, and then we're going to radically reshuffle all our coaches mid-season. We're going to make the Casey coach a different guy. We're going to change the forward coach. We're going to... I mean, that's just laughable. I mean, this has been a complete disaster, but I am glad at least that they tried to correct it rather than waiting for the I year. agree with that. I agree with that. I am glad that they didn't wait until the end of the season, which is the sort of, you know, tempting thing to do. Um, I think probably because they knew that, you know, there'd be some serious consequences if they did that. Um, I actually did think that maybe... One option I thought they would do was sort of persevere with the current coaching structure and then just change up all the assistant coaches at the end of the season and, and sack basically everyone and replace them all with better assistant coaches. Um, so like a, you know, like a Damien Harwick-style reboot. But it sounds to me like they actually kind of were at least somewhat satisfied with the quality of the assistant coaches, but, you know, think that maybe they're all coaching the wrong people. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be feeling super confident if I was Max Rook right now. Oh, God, no, Max Rook. But, but then, you know, this is the problem as well, right? How much do you blame it on one single coach? I mean, David Teague was the um, forward coach at Carlton, and their forward line looked like an absolute mess. But then since David Teague has become a senior coach, all of a sudden Charlie Kerner is actually playing quite well. That's completely true. That's completely true. Yeah, yeah. It's very hard. We always look for scapegoats. Um, so. And usually that scapegoat is Mark Neald, but, you know... Or Mike Neal type. Yeah. So I thought Brendan McCartney would be the one to go, to be honest. I thought they'd make a scapegoat out of him. I mean, it's still possible, right? Let's see what it happens is, in it the end. It is. Totally. Uh, I am happy that um, that Jade Rawlings is part of the, the the main coaching setup again. I mean, just, just hearing him speak, he always seems like a pretty impressive guy. Um, and I'd rather yeah, have him involved than at Casey. speech doesn't necessarily make quality coach, Kieran. I mean, I've heard Reese Shaw speak multiple times now and I have often thought that guy cannot be a senior coach that's true that's true but apparently he's, you know he's getting the results so I don't know if um, you know quality of speech really matches up to quality of output on the football field maybe not but I would say some of the co- the coaches that I think are the best are people like Buckley Chris Scott you know pretty good communicators you just want these corporate types, don't you, Kieran? Yeah, I kind of do like These ones you can sell to investors with their, their <laughs> powerful pros. That's true. That's true. They're going to 
yeah, uh, launch their IPO next week. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. No, exactly. that's true. That's, I, that's why you've always thought the good one is too much of a middle management type, you know? <laughs> it doesn't have that corporate executive type uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a fair summary, yeah. Uh, good one would be made redundant if I was running the corporation. But anyway, moving on to the forward setup, um, TMAC, Bull, and Weed. Is that the right kind of tall forward setup for the rest of the year? I mean, look, the same thing happened in this game that has happened all year, which is that we absolutely dominated the inside 50s, but still didn't really... We only won by 14 points, which is a bit ridiculous, um, given the number of inside 50s that we have. But Yeah, we had know, 68 we, inside 50s for, I think, about 85 points. I mean, that's absurd. Yeah. Um, sorry. It's not great. So I think that, I think that ultimately... Um, we have to persevere with T-Mac, Bull and the Weed. I mean, I don't understand. I don't know who else we sort of throw into that mix. I think we just have to commit to that enough forward line and see what we can make with them and just let them, give them time to gel together. I mean, Weed only had around six touches, um, but, you know, Goodwin described it as like the best six-touch game he's ever seen. I have to say, Weed does put good pressure on. Yeah. I do like that. And he is, you know, Gary Lyon made this point, which is fair. At least you sort of see, I know this is like, I keep sort of assessing people's performance on the football field based on whether or not you can see them on screen, which I appreciate might be the least sophisticated way of assessing someone's performance. But you do see Weed getting to the contest, right? Like, he's always in and amongst it. You just can't reel it in yet. So maybe you just, you know, I do think he's not not far off. Yeah, I think his first half of the year has been very similar to his first half of last year, um, where he would get not that many touches, get in good positions, kind of drop marks that he nearly takes and maybe takes one good mark a game Um, and hopefully later in the season he'll kind of burst out like he did right at the end of last season Um, so I'm hopeful I still think the truth is I don't think his first half of the season this year is better than his first half of the season last year which is kind of a little bit concerning but then considering all our forward problems he's not the only one oh I think everybody was in trouble you know I mean I'm not too critical of you know of his development insofar as like you could have said that about every single one of our players, that they were just an absolute shadow of themselves. They all looked awful in comparison to last year. So, I, I mean, I don't know if that's like... I, I wouldn't crucify him for that. No, totally, totally. And, and you're agree. He does he does the team first things. He's almost a little bit like the opposite of um, when Mitch, Mitch Clark played for Melbourne. You know, Mitch Clark would have like eight or nine touches and maybe kick four goals, but just do no pressure things at all. Um, and I always find that really frustrating. I feel like Wiedemann is trying to be a real, you know, team player. Oh, I, absolutely, absolutely. I think he's a real team first player. He actually is a very good tackler, um, surprisingly. Um, you know, for a guy of his size, he's actually quite a good tackler. And so I think, um, I, you know, I think it will just be another year or so, right? It's just I think we're just going to have to be patient. But we've signed him up to this deal, and I think you know, there's no point playing in the reserves if he's if he's form if he's doing enough things in the seniors to warrant selection. Yeah. And we really don't have any other options, to be honest. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, that is in part because of our favorite, uh, our very favorite uh, 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 rehabilitation specialist. You couldn't even think Dave of his title. <laughs> Dave Misson, yeah. Um, so the injuries for this week, as far as I understand it, uh, Cole Jasny got another head knock. And, and who knows if he'll play again. I don't think you can play Missing for that, in fairness. Um, no, that's really sad for Colin Jasny. It's really sad because it sounds like he played all right. And then Stretch has got a foot problem. Um, who else is that? Keelty's out for a month. Um, 
Who else is out, Nates? Joel Smith is out for the rest Joel of the season. Joel Smith's out for the rest of the season. God. Yeah, Garland is out for the rest of the season. Garland's out for the rest of the season. Um, yeah, it's a pretty bad, pretty bad list from one game. How uh, much do we blame Misson for all of these problems? Because if you read the uh, Demon supporters' uh, diatribes on Facebook, it would suggest that Misson is, um, you know, solely responsible for global warming, really. Totally, totally. Yeah, no, he's, he's probably the most vilified person in the club. I don't know. I honestly don't know. Because some of these injuries are a bit weird. They're not like, it's not like everyone's getting a hamstring injury, which suggests some conditioning problem. Right. Like, there's just some kind of implausible injuries. And I don't know if it's just an outlier or if there's something going wrong. But we do have a very high number of injuries. The only thing I would say um, in response to that is we do have a high number of injuries, but we also have... Um you know, I, I don't know how great we are about managing players' injuries, right? And so that's a separate problem because you have to ask yourself, I mean, if Joel Smith's father is, you know, lashing out on Facebook about how his son's injury is being managed, I mean, well, there's smoke, there's fire, right? Like, I don't think that Steve Smith would be saying that if there was no basis for it. You also have to wonder with some of these other injuries. I mean, Jack Viney, I mean, over the past few years, since he's been there, he's been, cut, he's been rushed back too early, he's played, he's gotten more injured again. Um you know, even like Jake Lever. I mean, the fact that Lever came back into the side for one game and then was out again with knee sore, you know, knee soreness or bone bruising, whatever it is. I mean, what is that saying about our conditioning? That's a great point. Yeah, and Lever did feel like he was being pushed back in too quickly. I think even before the game, we were saying that. You know, like take your time. He can play a couple of VFL games. That's fine, right? Completely. Uh, he could play a half. They let, you know? Completely. They should have let Lever play, uh, like you know four weeks in the VFL. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter, right? Like, right. it's not... I mean, ultimately, the season's shot. There was no real desperate need for him to come back and play AFL so quickly. So I don't really know why they did that, especially because the first VFL game, he played very limited minutes. The second VFL... and he, So he only, effect, in effect, played one in, like, a quarter of a VFL game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I thought that was strange. No, I think that's right. And clearly the club underestimated the impact of the surgeries, which you imagine Misson was, was involved in the planning for. I mean, I think they thought it might start a little bit slow, but no one saw the disaster that's been the first half of the season. Totally. And maybe they all thought... I mean, it sounds like to it sounds like from what I've read that, you know, Misson was very forthright with the club as to um, how few players had actually managed to complete sessions and that type of thing. But ultimately, you know, you've got to sort of ask yourself... Um, what is it about the way, you know, obviously it's, it's fine to sort of, you know, be forthright with the board and explain to the board why not enough people are training, but you've got to sort of also ask yourself a bit more prophylactically, like how do you actually work around some of these injuries? What can people do, right? As opposed, Because the condition that people came back in was just really woeful. Like was there anything people could have done that could have kept up their fitness in some respect? I don't know. But you have to ask those questions given how out of form everybody was. Well, they're trying to fix it now with Oscar McDonald taking three weeks out to just, you know, sit around and do push-ups or whatever. Right, exactly. So then you have to sort of ask yourself, you know, why didn't that happen earlier, right? And maybe it's because of the surgeries, but, you know, how do you sort of work around those problems? Yeah. It's other teams. I mean, I guess this is the problem, right? Melbourne is not the only team that's ever had a bunch of surgeries in the off-season. And that's the part that sort of irks me a bit. It's not as if Melbourne is the, you know, the first team that's had a bunch of people who've, you know, not managed to complete pre-seasons. But it's, it's very unheard of to start that slowly after that long a period of time. Totally. Yeah. No. You know, it wasn't just like a couple of weeks. It was like three months, basically. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, I think, I think Misson, 
um, is definitely part of the problem. And it is probably a good thing that we're going to reshuffle our, our coaching, uh, our um, rehab team when he leaves at the end of this year. Um, well, now we're trying to get the um, the guy from the former Port guy, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So hopefully that'll do something. Um, one player that's managed to defy injuries to play very well, I think, this week's Rowan Bale Award for most underrated performance, uh, Tim the Bull Smith. What about that effort? You love Tim I Smith. I love Tim Smith. I do. I do. And you have a grudging respect for him too. Oh, I quite like him. I used to think he was just an honest footballer. In fact, I still think he's quite honest, but I think he's um, more than honest now. Do you have some honesty problem? What's wrong with no, being I've honest? No, I've no problem with honesty, but he's very, um, you know, he's just like a, yeah, he's honest. Yeah, he's got a meat and two veg. Um, he, he is meat and two veg. He's a meat and two veg player. He's in ripping Nick, for what it's worth. Um, and if he could just kick for goal a bit better. I mean, he had seven shots that were all gettable, and he kicked three goals, three, and I think one out of bounds in the four. But if he can sharpen up that part of his game, He's a very good mark, and he, he gets a lot of separation from his opponents. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, I reckon he's looking really good. I just hope he gets a run at it. He's only played, like, 13 games in his whole career. It's actually quite extraordinary that he's played so few games and that now he's our number one key marking <laughs> marking target inside forward 50. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, Maybe a little bit of an indictment, do you think? Probably, no? is, probably is an indictment. But, um, look, I'm glad we have him for as long as his body can hold up. Um this week against the Lions, which strangely, I think maybe we have a tiny chance, given our form. Um, I'm not so positive. Uh, I think we have, it's up at the Gabba, which makes me a little bit apprehensive. Yes, and they could really blitz us for pace. I think so. And someone like Charlie Cameron is just in electrifying form at the moment, particularly at the Gabba. Yeah, it's huge that we don't have Jetta in. It really is. But, you know, we did okay with Sun Sun last week. That's true. That's true. Um, that would be an unusual matchup. Uh, Frost on Cameron. That's got to be yeah, one of the... Yeah, I think so. Unprecedented. I mean, I feel like... Sorry, go for it. Who do you think the uh, ins and outs will be this week? Oh, it's a really good question. I think... Uh, I actually think we might go in unchanged. Oh, no. Jordan Lewis played pretty well in the VFL, didn't he? Yeah, he got 40 possessions. Um, I think he's probably got a decent case for maybe replacing... Uh, Wagner, who's you know been pretty good, but the last couple of weeks have been a bit quieter. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think probably Wagner goes out and maybe Jordan Lewis goes back in. Yeah, I think at most one change, though. I don't think there's any any real reason to, to mess with a winning combination, shall we say, after one win. Yeah, a real, like we're on a real roll, aren't we? Um, I think someone who's under a little bit of pressure is Hannon. Um, yeah, he hasn't had great output since coming back from injury, has he? No, and he hasn't really even looked dangerous. But, I mean, he has he had injury issues. I do wonder if they'll give Dunkley a shot at some point. Well, I just don't... It's interesting how, you know... I guess this also goes into the sort of broader discussion about what the purpose of the mid-season draft is. Um, because I thought, you know, what, what we all kind of thought as a Melbourne supporter was that, given our forward line woes, maybe the mid-season draft would be an, a, a wonderful opportunity to draft a small forward or, you know, someone who can play in the forward line, really, to try and... Um, you know, bring some of that class to the table um, when it comes to finishing. But it doesn't sound like that's what they're what that's what they drafted Dunkley for, and he's a little bit more of a long term proposition. Yeah, although look, I think it seems like he's been playing handily. You know, he's getting <clears throat> a goal and twenty possessions every week. I mean, that's something, I guess. I thought he might be doing a little bit better, actually. Yeah, 
excuse me. Um, JKH had a good game, so maybe he could slot in. But I don't think we should really change too much. Um, hopefully they can build a bit of consistency because every week we've had so many changes. Well, that's exactly right. Is Hibbert going to come back in? What's happening with his injury? Well, that's another one. If Hibbert comes back, I, I suspect he'll just replace Wagner. Um, right, okay. And maybe that's Lewis true. would have to wait. I wouldn't really want to bring in Lewis against Brisbane now I think about it. Well, it's just a, you know, I just think they're a very quick team and he's just, he just doesn't have the pace to keep up with them. Yeah. Um, do you think Viney goes to Lockie Neal? Yes, absolutely. I think Viney did well on Walters last week. I thought he really got under his skin and really niggled him, which is what Viney does when he's playing best. Um, yeah, I, th- I think um, I think that would be a good good matchup. Um, I do think we need more of a lockdown tagger, um, and we started to do that a bit on Fife later in the game. Um, so I think we've got to do that with Lockie Neal, or he's just going to tear us apart. Yes, I think that's right. Um, so, Neitz, what's your prediction? This is really your two favourite teams playing. I mean, I think you could argue that Brisbane is your favourite team. I do love the Brisbane Lions. I really do. Um, do you think... What's what's your tip? Um, I think we'll go down by maybe 30 points or so. I just think they've got a bit too much run in class for us. Yeah, I think we're going to play really well. I think we've got a bit of confidence now, but I think we'll narrowly lose just because of their outside finishing. I mean... We had that game against them, was it, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, where we nearly lost, but Hogan and Garlett saved us. This year we won't have Hogan and Garlett. I just don't think we have enough class to get over their line, given, given their form. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, all right, well, thank you for joining. I think it's fair to say much more upbeat deluded after that win, which reminded us why we like this football club. Um, we will join you next week after the Brisbane Lions game. Follow us on Instagram at Deluded Podcast. And until then, go Dees. Go Dees.